Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Kate, and with me is BP. Welcome! Um, so today we're going to play Meadow, and Meadow is designed by Clemens Kaliki uh, of Dream Home. The developer is Presmek Wojkowiak. Uh, Carolina Kijak is the artist, and it was published in 2021. Uh, the publisher is Asmodee, Asmodee. In Meadow, experienced nature observers bravely roam the area in search of plants, animals, and various curiosities. They eagerly use their knowledge. In the meadows, among the grasses, they can spot small rodents, and since they are here, maybe a buzzard, a fox, or even a viper will appear in a moment. The mechanics are action retrieval, hand management, open drafting, set collection, solo solitaire, worker placement, and different worker types. And the box this game. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we've got like uh, it almost looks like one of those um, like pin board like collection sets you would do like if you were going out and you were collecting plants and like flattening them almost. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it, so. What I mean by cutout boards is uh, all the various pieces to the artwork look like they're on almost parchment paper. And even uh, up in the upper left-hand corner is one with a little cottage that has um, like a nice little wildflower garden off to the side and around it. And it even looks like it has like uh, scotch tape. And then a painting, like a, an actual watercolor of a painting <laughs> of a, um, it's not a fox, but it's kind of like a, um, not a groundhoggy thing, but I don't, I don't I don't know what kind of little It looks like a fox but the ears are rounded, right? So Yeah, and small and not and a bushy small. tail. Um, so would you pull it off a shelf? Um, I mean maybe, why not? I like nature and it is an interesting I think as opposed to like, you know, like all the Clemens Franz art and all like the sci-fi art, like it's definitely more interesting, you know, because it is it looks like the drawings are trying a very realistic, like almost Beth Sorbel-esque realistic art, you know? Yeah, I'm going to go yes. Yeah, I think I would too. Yeah, like nature and uh, it's it's cute. <laughs> I um, Looking at the mechanics, I'm not so sure yeah, I don't know about, these about some of them, but um, I guess hand management, drafting, and worker placement um, not 100% on action retrieval, but yeah. With the help of Eric's phone, the uh, animal is a weasel. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Aren't weasels um, supposed to be like cunning and conniving kind of sort of? Yeah, I think that's what threw me is this thing looks like very sweet and cute. <laughs> Which is probably realistic. That would be cunning to be sweet and cute looking when really you're going to like rob somebody blind. Yep, that's the quality of a good weasel. All right. So how do you think it's played? Okay. So I'm just going to assume that we are nature observers. So we are like laying low. Like we're like birders. We've got like our binoculars. We've got like, you know, we're out like, like really searching the meadows and like the little wildflowers. I mean, for us right now, it's the end of March, beginning of April. So 
I mean, right, it's wildflower season in many places. And this would be the time like you'd want to go out into meadowlands and kind of see like the little skirmishes of little animals starting to come out of dens and things. Um, So I'm assuming that's what we're going to do. I don't know where the viper comes in, but I could understand a buzzard or fox. Okay, so we got worker placement. So we're going to have a worker that uh, helps us... with the action retrieval, right? So wherever you place your worker is how you um, like get an action. And so what I'm assuming the goal is, is that we're going to try to collect, you know, like a variety of different types of wildflowers so that we can get all the hummingbirds, all the butterflies. Jeez, freaking A, I don't know. As far as I got. <laughs> I don't know what the objective is. Like this, mm-hmm. this description and these things well, give me no objective. Yeah, I guess we're going to make a scrapbook. So maybe our set collection is not that we want all of the same thing, but we want a variety of things. Just like our cover, we want a cute little weasel, some feathers, some flowers, and we're going to pin them to a board and the weasel gets to go first. <laughs> followed by the hawk yeah so we have these different workers are oh our animals are the workers the viper mm-hmm. the viper is the last one to go perfect yeah okay there we go <laughs> i figured it out all right so the history of um i don't know vipers scrapbooking um but no so i was thinking of the title and obviously you can't go to the history of meadows, unless you're like a geologist, you know, like planet person. I'm not. I'm a social cultural historian. But one of the first meadows I remember in my childhood memory was at Yosemite, you know, and it is it's um, the meadows of Yosemite Valley are one of those classic ones. So I'm not going to do like the history of Yosemite, although that is super interesting. But it reminded me In my history classes, I used to talk about Teddy Roosevelt and John Muir and uh, Pinochet and the whole controversies around Yosemite and then the beginning of the Sierra Club. And it's really that beginning of the Sierra Club that fits into this. So uh, if you're unfamiliar with all of those names, I mean, probably you've heard of Teddy Roosevelt. He was president for a while at the beginning of the 20th century, Um, and he had spent Uh, For a time in between, I believe it was in between his career as governor of the state of New York and then before he became um, assistant secretary of the Navy or something like that before he became vice president. Anyway, he was a cowboy out in Montana or the Dakotas, basically out that way. But he was like super into uh, kind of that idea of the wildness of the Americas, basically, and North America specifically. And then eventually he made the acquaintance of this guy named John Muir. And John Muir was this Scottish-American immigrant who was the founder, the first president, a big advocate of um, the Sierra Club, which was all about really getting out into nature, uh, the kind of debate between conservation preservation had to do with some of his debates. And I'll get into that in a moment, but he um, there's this famous photograph in 1906 with uh, John Muir and uh, Teddy up at the top of 
I don't think it's the top of El Capitan, but it might be, right? One of the big rock cliff glacier uh, sections of Yosemite Park. And one of John Muir's big things was, you know, walking all these mountain trails and these kind of mountain club type ideas in the late 19th century, which was a very late 19th century ideology for, you know, middle class uh, peoples was to get back out into nature, kind of start that whole camping expedition thing, which is super cool. But then uh, the Sierra Club uh, became part of that, which was to promote these mountaineering type peoples to get out into nature, right, to help preserve and and conserve nature at the same time until it came to the Hetch Hetchy controversy in the 1900s. Um, and so that's when uh, conservation and preservations kind of went uh, head on head. And so uh, Pinochet was um, he was in charge of the U.S. Forest Service and it came over building a dam, right? Hydroelectricity at the turn of the 20th century was really big. And of course, right, these natural resources in the Sierra Nevada mountain ranges were huge. And this um, San Francisco Bay is not that very far. And so trying to provide electricity, which was pretty brand new at the time, right, by building a dam was pretty big. Um, and so there was, you know, this big controversy about damming up a section of the uh, Yosemite National Park and Valley. And um, it is still something to this day, especially uh, natives who are still right. Some of the native tribes who are still around, uh, who were attached to this land, still discuss to this day. Right. Um but it's it's just one of those things because the Sierra Club lost the battle. The uh, dam was built. It just brings me full circle um, to thinking about like in the 21st century. I mean, here we are recording over the Internet. Uh, we play over the Internet. And yet, like, I think all four of us really love to pretty much unplug and go into nature. And that's kind of what the Sierra Club was about, even before like our advanced technology was about getting into nature and understanding the earth and the wondrous like history of the earth, the wondrous nature of the earth. So that natural observers part of the description really caught my eye as far as linking into my own childhood memories of I still remember like the vivid wildflower co uh, colors and the bees all buzzing about in that valley in Yosemite. I'm excited to see if uh, we can have some weasels uh, collect some wildflowers. And I really like that you just uh, mentioned bees because the <gasps> we have starting bees? player. Well, the first player is the last person stung by a bee. Oh, I haven't been stung in ages. I think I was stung in September. Okay, yeah, no, I was I was like a child. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, it wasn't it was a surprise. I had <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's our wanderers observing nature, home to the most interesting stories where animals and plants are the main actors. Uh, equipped with a map Players wander a picturesque landscape, searching for inspiration among 
the breathtaking sights. They are led by their passion for discovering the mysteries of nature and by their desire to become acclaimed as the most skilled observer. The title will be won by the person who earns the most points from observing types of animals, plants, and landscapes, as well as from souvenirs gathered during their trip. The competition continues at the campfire, where players race to fulfill their adventurous goals. So we'll have uh, two boards. There is a main board, and it's filled with uh, cards. And um, you fill it with cards from uh, three decks, west, south, east. There's also a north deck um, that will replace the south deck halfway through uh, playing the game. And then there's the campfire board. And that has some actions, some special actions you can take. And it also will have our goals. Uh, to start, each player will have five path tokens, three bonus tokens, one road token, and a two-sided round card, um, like starter card. So players will begin by taking a hand of five cards from the uh, cards on the main board. Uh, you'll choose one row, which has four cards in it, and then you'll draw your fifth card from the north deck. Each player will then choose a side of their starting round card to begin with. And yeah, our game will have six rounds for two players. And we will take turns playing path tokens in either the main board or the campfire board. Um, playing on the, the main board allows you to take a card and you can also play a card from your hand uh, to your meadow. Yeah, so you'll take your, your path token and you'll put it on the main board and the path token will have numbers that indicate which card you will be choosing from the row you've, you've placed your token in. Then after you draw your card, your rules for placing cards in the meadow. So there are ground cards. Ground cards are cards with ecosystems connected with different habitats. Um, they have ground symbols for sands, litterfall, grass, wetlands, and rocks. When you're playing a new card, uh, you're going to place it to the left or the right of already played cards, or in your you know first instance, to the left or the right of that starting card that you um, began with. There's a maximum of 10 ground cards in your meadow, and the bottom symbols on the card must remain visible. So that will have that ground symbol. Ground is the lowest level of cards, and it cannot be placed on top of other cards. And then the cards will also have resource symbols at the top. Those are the resources that you have uh, available um, to meeting requirements. Observation cards are cards that have animals, plants, or human creations. They also have card symbols for uh, the resource requirements, what you need to have already in your meadow in order to play those cards. You're going to place those observation cards on top of um, other cards according to the symbols. Let's say the card has one of requirement symbol, you need to then put it on the card that's already in your meadow with that same symbol. If there are uh, two or more requirement symbols, then you can choose one of those uh, to place the card on top of. Yeah, and then there are a few other rules. Like sometimes there's a choice. It's like sometimes there's several requirements. You have to meet all of them. Sometimes it's one or the other. If you do not have any of the required symbols to play a card and you really want to play that one, you can discard any two cards from your hand uh, to ignore one of the uh, requirement symbols. 
And then you also have above your meadow, you have uh, your surrounding area above your meadow where you will play landscape cards. They can require a road and then possibly other symbols, uh, other resource requirements. So when you play a landscape card, you play it, uh, you have to play it with the road and then you flip the road over. Um, if it requires also, again, symbols from your meadow, you must have that in your meadow before you can play the landscape card. Like the observation cards, if you really want to play one and you don't have all the requirements, you can discard two cards in your hand to ignore the requirement. And that can be done multiple times, but you can never ignore the road requirement. And then lastly, you have discovery cards. Discovery cards are like souvenirs um, from your excursions. So uh, they have requirement symbols on them as well to in order to play them. And then they go on top of the landscape cards. And then the campfire board. So the campfire board um, allows you to play some special actions. So you have your path token, um, you play it on the campfire board, and yeah, and then there's, I think, four four options of special actions and then one wild. You can play a path token to the campfire board to uh, fulfill a goal. Um, only one player can fulfill those goals. Um, so the first player to do that um, gets the goal uh, for the game. So you can um, also take uh, these special actions. So you can take any face up card from the main board, um, but then you cannot also play a card. You can take two road tokens and place them in the surrounding area uh, with the roadside face up, but you cannot also play a card. You can look at three top cards from one of the decks on the main board and select uh, one card to put in your hand and then return the other two. Uh, you can play up to two cards to your meadow or surrounding area, or you can, uh, there's a wild one that you can take any of these above actions. So when playing to the campfire board, again, you can um, also achieve goals and you do that by, in a similar way to the other card placement in meeting uh, required symbols that are on that campfire board and you you claim the goal by placing one of your bonus tokens and you start with the lowest value bonus token um, and you can only do one at a time when you're at the campfire board even if you um, have the requirements to meet more than one goal and uh, there's also a bench in the campfire you can play when your your path tokens there to play one card to the meadow or surrounding area. A round lasts until all players have have used all their path tokens, and then the first player token rotates. Uh, when the round tracker passes over an hourglass that we'll see on the board, um, that's when we discard all the cards from the main board and uh, replace the south deck with the north deck and uh, refill the board. Uh, after the last round, the player with the most victory points um, is the winner. Okay, so not being vipers. Unfortunately mm, not. Or weasels. Okay, well, let's play. both just got done playing a game of Meadow. And to recap, Kate had 49 peacock points. BP, that's me, 
I had 57 cat points. I don't know. I had like a little of everything. So winning strategy. Winning strategy. Um, at first it was just trying to get to play my cards. So I went for, you know, we had these hands to begin with and I just wanted to play on top of them. And then um, once I felt like Kate was like going in for all those like goal cards and stuff, I was like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta start playing strategically. So I feel like then I started trying to build my hand so I could play some of the cards that got like the campfire points. And then at the the last round or two was really basically just, all right, high point cards and getting the things together to play them. Yeah, I think in the beginning I, I was uh, trying to pay attention to the goals in addition to what I was putting in my meadow. Um, and then after I got those first two goals, I to be honest, I think I forgot about it. Um, but yeah, something similar to that. Um, I play. I think I played the last hand pretty poorly. Like I, I forgot about the rules of the campfire that mm. once you go there, then you don't play cards. And yeah, so I couldn't do everything that I, I wanted to do in that last round. How about the theme? This is me. So I'd say the theme was pretty good. Um, let's see. So we were supposed to be nature observers, not vipers. Observers, not vipers. <laughs> Collecting our animals, our plants, our souvenirs, um, our memories, maybe mm-hmm, of our mm-hmm. beautiful landscapes that we've seen. Apparently, being competitive about it too, which seems very yeah. not. Right. You'd be like sharing in the cool experience of right. seeing the beautiful landscape or uh, cute animals. So, yeah, that is true. But as far as the theme goes, I did feel like it was pretty present. I did feel like I was collecting nature observancy type things. I mean, especially with like the little cottages and like the different bugs. Yeah. I felt like a nature observer, especially, I guess, because mine was so varied. Like, if you're hanging out in a meadow, you're going to, I mean, I feel like you're going to just, like, hide out with some binoculars and, like, really, like, camouflage or something to see all this. But, yes, I feel like it was there. And how about the table presents? Uh, The cards are great. Mm -hmm. They're so pretty. In fact, like, for a while, I was just, like... I did not want to pick snakes. And I Mm -hmm. think I ended up having to pick up the snake cards because they would allow me to get the other things that I wanted. But I was trying Mm -hmm. to avoid that. I mean, no harm to snakes. I mean, snakes aren't bad. It's just I I wanted, you know, you want the four, the other little forest creatures. But yeah, all I mean, they're so cute. All the animals, the cards are pretty like I, I would definitely probably be walking by this and being like, oh, look at those cards. Yeah, I agree completely. And I was also fighting the choosing between the cards that were pretty or cute and mm-hmm, what I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I only made one decision based on cuteness. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Uh, when I drew three from the deck and mm. the one I chose was the little like hedgehog type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I never ended up having to discard him. So probably wasn't the best move. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, excellent table presence. Yeah. Um, mechanics. Why is my name next to this? I guess you know. <laughs> the two of us. Uh, it's the two of us. Okay, so action retrieval. I guess that's the tokens, right? Worker placement with different worker types are the tokens, and that retrieves Mm -hmm. your actions because you have the two different actions to choose from. Right. Hand management, because when you're collecting, you want to manage those. That whole idea of set collection and to a certain extent, even open drafting fit into the theme, right? So sometimes when the boys talk about this segment, they are, they're talking about how do the mechanics work into the themes. When the mechanics work into the themes, it helps build a bigger theme. And I feel like as a nature observer, you're obviously not necessarily going to have a closed hand, right? You're not going to draw from a face down deck. You're going to draw from something that's up because everybody's observing it. But like you want to have like the coolest notebook, right? To submit to the science fair or whatever it is that apparently we're getting points for. But yeah. Yeah. I felt like I felt like it kind of helped flow together in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there were some interesting mechanics too. I thought that the way that the requirements worked, um, actually brought it like a good level of, of challenge to the game and, um, having to choose between the two boards and knowing that if you went to the campfire, you would lose the ability to play those cards. Um, yeah, as far as tying in with the theme, I'm not really sure why we are required to have, you know, seen two butterflies in a tree in order to then see a fence. But, um, yeah, I liked it. Am I starting the rule? I mean, how was the rule book? How was teaching the game, Kate? <laughs> uh, way easier than Terra Mystica. Um <laughs> Uh, witches, witches. That's all I remember from that so far. <laughs> yeah. So I thought the rule book was pretty easy to read. Um, I, I feel like the game is pretty straightforward. I mean, that system of the required symbols is just like, once you get that, that's how all the cards work, regardless if they're observation or, um, whatever else, um, but maybe it's a bit tricky to explain because um, I felt like <laughs> you were frustrated with me. and <laughs> Oh, not with you, just with the game in general. And so I think on the flip side, because I did try to like look at the rule book and then read through it. And I don't know if it's also just like the types of learners. Like we do this to Kiwi all the time too, where Eric and I are always just kind of more hands on Z, but I'm also um, uh, a read write type of learner. So, um, but I, I was reading through it and I mean, it does seem like it's logically laid out and there are examples. I just don't know that for me, it's necessarily even the clearest rule book or like, seriously, when you were like reading it and I read through what you had and I was like so confused, like starting off that I basically, if you go back and you listen to our play by play, it was just the first couple of play th- like actions, right? That we each had, like, I was just basically, okay, like, so I can do this and this and why are we doing this and this and just trying to figure everything out. So 
I feel like there's a little bit of a learning curve to it. I don't, it's, it's gorgeous. And once you do get the symbols down, you get them and you get them within by, I would say the second round, but like the first start of it, you really have to give yourself some grace or have like, I don't know. I think there's got to be like this, maybe a tutorial or a teach that's like, oh, don't worry about all of this. This is what we're doing and how we're doing it and why we're doing it. Because there was just, at first I was just kind of clueless. And I think that's just because like the cards just have so much variety on them. And then there's the two different boards um, it comes together at the end, but I think like the explanation is just really tricky to get out at top, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. I think also the rule book had a few notes of like, like little tips. And mm-hmm. I think it said something like when yeah, you're drawing like your a hand. like a little or something on there. Yeah. Yeah. And said, like, when you're drawing your hand, like, choose things that go together or something mm-hmm. like that. But it's like, mm-hmm. but if you're playing it for the first time, you're just right. not. You don't know. You don't know what goes together. And there's and there's so much that, like, yeah, you're not quite sure um, what to prioritize. Yeah, I think the one thing that I don't know, I guess going back to mechanics a little bit, that was that, like, when it had those arrows on it, mm-hmm. how much that added to it, whether that was necessary. It seemed like there were enough uh, restrictions already for placing your cards and for the requirements that I don't know that you needed that. I I think there was only one time where there – or one instance of something that we couldn't find in the rule book that was just like, what are the symbols? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, Eric decided it was fencing, which made sense when we were looking at it. But, yeah. Again, it's just there were a lot of symbols on it. And it one of those then kind of reference pages might have been nice. Yeah. But, so yeah. I'm telling you, this is the symbol for mm-hmm. the card itself. This is the requirement. This is the, yeah. Um. All right. Player interaction. I mean, it, so it's a two, three, or four player game. But, and even though we were playing it two player, it was just like, I remember at one point, like you said, oh, I should have been paying attention to what you were doing so I could plan out my next move. But that's really kind of what it was. I mean, to a certain extent, there was like, okay, where is, oh, I, you know, Kate's got like this first goal. I got to like focus on these goals. But I didn't feel like in general, I mean, it was just, oh, I mean, there is a solitaire mode to it right so it's almost like a solitaire game but mm-hmm. with two people mm-hmm. and who can get to like that goal section first but yeah i don't know yeah. that it felt very very interactive i mean every once in a while i try to count up your points because i was trying to be proactive and engaged but i don't mm. think i needed to be if i didn't want to be if that makes sense mm-hmm like me checking out your points wasn't really going to like change my strategy or anything. Yeah. There's only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good thing that I didn't do that. Cause then you just be like, Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no way of catching up in those points. Yeah. I guess there's just, like you said, little bits of places where there's a competitive element, like going for the goals mm-hmm. or if there was, you know, a four-point card on the main board. There were so many to get options, that first. though. Yeah. There's, and I think the pot tokens 
had enough variety that you could always get it. Like mm-hmm. you could just use that wild or whatever. Um, but yeah, not very interactive otherwise. Like you could have a quiet, like almost silent <laughs> game unless you wanted to talk about the cute animals together. Right. Big question, Kate. Hmm. You go first. Would you play it again? I go first. Uh, all that said, um, I think I would play it in- again. Gosh, I do always say it was like <laughs> no, you don't. You don't always. Because <laughs> it, it, it did like lack in interaction and that made it feel a little bit slow at times. But it was so, it was cute. Um, I liked the mechanics. <laughs> yeah. It was very pleasant. I, yeah, I don't know that I would want to buy it and have it in a collection, but I would, I would play it again. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm kind of the same way where, again, the cards were so pretty um, and there were enough levels of how to kind of build your tableau, so to speak, right? How to build your Mm -hmm. landscape and your scrapbook. Are there other books that are or other games that are just as pretty? I mean, yes, I for my birthday weekend had a Beth Sorbel uh, Sobel, I can't believe I always do that, mm. put an R in her last name. And then, right, um, uh, Hargraves, right, Elizabeth Har- mm-hmm. Hargraves, like Bonanza. So, yes, there are great nature games out there um, that are also very interactive. Um, I mean, we had a, a fun fun weekend doing all of that. But it's also, they were so pretty and so cute and different animals. And it was a little bit of a different uh, play on the worker placement that, Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, if we're at a game cafe, I mean, sure. I pull it off as opposed to like a, I don't know. Austrian hotel or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I would. And so I guess we're both yeses on that one. And Kiwi can just add our stats in. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I think it was easy enough to, to pick up, too, that if you if you had played it before, then it would be yeah a nice light choice. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Uh, that was Meadow. And so if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, especially a KNBP episode, we are ears. Uh, you can send those uh, suggestions to First Turn Tabletop at Gmail, Twitter, Instagram. We are at First Turn Cast. And our podcasting camel, he is trying so hard to be very uh, on his toes through the meadows to not disturb, right? Any of the plants, definitely not step on a viper. I don't think vipers live in meadows, but that's just me. Um, anyway, he says, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. All those cute animals. They're very cute. I do want the squirrel, but they don't have any trees anymore. And that line about the viper, that should be its own complete sentence. I mean, since they are here, maybe a buzzard, a fox, or even a viper will appear. You can't, but yeah, no. 
Vivian. Little pheasant. Look at that pheasant. 